I have a little dance now to this too. You, I like you know that. Yeah, Bob. Yeah, you, you can spare us that. that thank you very much. <laughs> I want to officially announce at the beginning of this episode that Hempathletics.com is up and running. Yay! <laughs> I actually teared up when I saw it the other night. I have a very dear friend, Brianna Logan, who has put the site up and is going to work with me to, to help me with it. So on it is all the episodes, including the write-ups of each episode. And then in the menu bar at hempthletics.com, there's an affiliates link. So some of the businesses that have been gracious in helping me um, get this podcast up and running, I put links for them or if members of their staff have been on my podcast, I put them up there. So those are people I would love for you to go and check out their websites and maybe purchase items from their sites or support their causes. Either way, I also have videos, little promos for the podcast, including my Wolfman. So if someone hasn't watched my Wolfman promo, make sure you go to hempathletics.com. And then there's also a little photo gallery where Bob Pye definitely has added some photos of our Yellowstone trip that we referenced in a previous episode. I think it was episode 10. We referenced our Yellowstone trip and now we have some of the pictures that go with that. So at hempathletics.com and in the future, hopefully if everything works out, we will have our sweatshirts and t-shirts up. And our next guest actually is sporting my sweatshirt right now, which makes me so happy. <laughs> Lots oh, of compliments on it. <laughs> so we have, we have a guest and I, and I have to start the conversation as usual, boring everybody with how we met. Um, so a mutual friend of ours, Freddie, who's a dear, dear man that I've met this summer, and he is just someone who is a shepherd and looks out for people. Okay. And he has this knack of bringing people together. Uh, he's introduced me to three or four people who have really impacted me in a very short amount of time. And Shelby, I just met actually last week. So we were, it was a late Saturday night. Freddie and her and I were philosophizing about various topics. And I realized that her and I have an affinity to learn about psychedelics. And I found out very quickly that for a young lady who would probably consider herself just a bartender or some people would just call her a bartender, this girl is wise beyond her years. She has an old soul. She's going to tell you some stories of why I believe she's an old soul. And she has stories that I will validate with similar personal experiences of my own using psychedelics very lightly in my life. So I want to introduce the lovely, the very wise old soul, Shelby Bear. Hi, guys. So tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump into the fun stuff. Well, my name is Shelby Bear. I'm 27 years, whatever. Um, I bartend, Acme, Charlie's, 140 Alex. Visit them whenever you want. And I met Brian, um, yeah, Saturday night after a couple cocktails and... We just started talking and it was really, and usually I get a little uncomfortable bringing these topics up to people because people are like, oh, you're getting too deep. And But Brian was very, very reciprocative. So it was nice. It was very pleasurable because it's, I always like her and I discuss through the evening. We don't like idle conversation. No talk about drama, <laughs> general social media, general. That's not how yeah. her, her and I 
um, like to enjoy our time or pass our time. Uh, so actually, we actually didn't even drink very much that night. We after we were the two hours no, they were like together, we had yeah, there. we had one drink. So it wasn't like this was high libations, right? Um, so this was absolutely just two people philosophizing, mm-hmm. and and one of the topics of conversation is, is the topic of mushrooms. Yes. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different. And I actually mentioned to somebody that I work with that I was going to be doing an episode on psychedelics. And he said, wow, you're going to do one on psychedelics? That's the subject that everybody wants to talk about, but everybody's afraid to. Too afraid. Yeah. Wow. That's true. And and, and coming from a 20-year-old kid, I thought that was a really smart thing to say. It is really smart. Yeah. Yeah. So here you are, 27. I'm 46. And this kid's 20. Mm -hmm. And we all definitely believe the the same thing. It's it's like taboo to say it. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I looked up psychedelics, it is actually prohibited through the world, through the UN. So the UN actually sanctions psychedelics for the whole world. I didn't realize it until I looked that up on Wikipedia. But... (laughs) <laughs> it is. This is the crazy part. The UN <laughs> prevents it, but the, it, there's. It's not known to be addictive at exactly. all. Exactly. That's what. Yeah. I used and to, it cannot kill you. Exactly. It's it's like classified as a really hard drug that is super addictive, really bad for your health. And from experience, I can say the opposite. Um, and I'm sure anyone that's partake can say the same as well. I'm sure no one after doing an eighth of shrooms one night. Woke up the next day and was like, oh, I need some shrooms, man. Like, I need to go get some shrooms. Like, it's just not a thing like you want to repeat every day. It's definitely once you do it, it's more um, like so let's glorify start, it for yourself. Yeah. Let's start with some basics real quick. Okay. okay so, so obviously we're having a, a topic of conversation today is psychedelics. We will be talking about a different variety of them. But okay. I want to start with some basics for people who either have and have had bad experiences or people who would never have just some basics to prepare yourself for an experience, whatever the experience is, we won't define that yet. But like for me, it's hydration, making sure I'm in the right setting, making sure I'm with the right people and making sure I have the right mindset of I'm not stressed about anything and I'm have an open mind. What about yourself? What's your prep? Okay. So I, I truly, your mindset is, definitely important when you go into doing shrooms, but I think, or any psychedelic, but, um, you know, obviously be hydrated, all that stuff. But if you did take any, you know, psychedelic and as long as you're like, okay with who you are and you're just not like a nervous person, you're confident in yourself, you're not going to have like the worst trip ever. Like you couldn't, a lot of people are like, Oh, I have to be super happy one day in order to do shrooms. That's not necessarily true because, then once you do them, you're going to realize all your problems actually coming out in front of you and you actually have to deal with them head on is how you deal with them in that moment while you're on your journey that will affect you the next day and affect the rest of your night because, yeah, there's no going back once you're there. It's all about your mindset and you just have to understand that it's, it's probably going to be a better outcome than bad, you know. As long as you keep a good, clear, open mind. Good, clear, open mind. Obviously, I would definitely eat some food beforehand because you're not going to be hungry, you're going to forget you are hungry. You're going to have a freaking stomach. <laughs> so, yeah, just like, you know, normal things. Just act like you're going to go about any normal day. Don't think too much into it. So for my experience with mushrooms through my life, I have primarily been outside and at concerts. Uh, generally fish concerts, but there have been other concerts. Uh, but I'm generally outside. Very rarely have I done it in a closed setting. Uh, definitely had one experience when I was back in college. And Bob Pye, my co-host here, uh, I relived this story last night thinking about it prepping for this. Bob 
actually doesn't remember the story, which I'm loving his fuzzy memory. <laughs> I don't think he's had enough cannabis here <clears throat> in his fifties <laughs> that he doesn't remember the story. But basically what happened was Bob, I was at Morrisville college. So it was my sophomore year in college. And my friend and I had shared a quarter of shrooms and we were at a, a, a apartment party and Bob decided to drive from Rochester, New York to Morrisville, which was about a two-hour drive, I think, thereabouts, give or take. And he brought my ex-wife, who at the time was a girlfriend that I had dated maybe about 10 or 12 times, just started dating. And so he wants to bring her with it, and the two of them surprise us. Mm-hmm. Well, he also had something that he had stashed. I think he had had a half a hit of acid or something that he had tucked away. No, or, no way. So, oh, you didn't do acid? <laughs> no, okay, no, so no. you had shrooms then. So you had shrooms as well. Okay. All right, so, so he had shrooms as well. So he comes in tripping out, and Bob was the guy who liked to have the mind games a little bit back in the day. Oh, no. Um, so he, he wanted to manipulate the situation, not realizing that my friend Chris Wallace and I already were indulging. Mm -hmm. So the three of us quickly realized we all were in the same plane because you can. And my ex-wife at the time, her name was Jen, hung out with us all night long, had no clue that we all were. We had a blast at the party. And then at one point we ended up going back to the campus um, because we had to isolate ourselves at that point because we knew that the party was too much. And Jen, Jen's drinking was wearing her down where we all had the same energy. So the four of us had to go back and playing Euchre, which is a popular card game in Western New York. Uh, Played Euchre for hours on end until I think Bob said maybe he he disappeared in a room on his own at the end, but um, that was a, that was an interesting night at Morrisville State College. <laughs> I remember nothing of Morrisville. Nothing. Was you I, remember that at all? No. Are you sure I was even there? I <laughs> don't think I was there. there. Oh yeah. So what about um, your first experience with with oh uh, um, a psychedelic? And how old were you? Twenty two. Okay, I so it's only five years ago. Yeah. Holy smokes! And although I would say that Elsie has the most profound trip i still prefer prefer shrooms over lsd but this is the most memorable one so uh it was me and a bunch of friends um after like a night at the bar and all i said to my one friend was i i want a trip and i was assuming he would bring over shrooms i've never ever tried acid and i was a little skeptical because it's not natural like shrooms which is one reason why i love shrooms and you know preferred them but it comes over with like there's five of us and he comes up with 10 tabs of acid from an actual chemist. Um, and he said, they're really strong. Only take one. So of course my dumb ass said, let's take two. And, uh, now this is late at night, late at night, about like two in the morning. Um, and, and by the way, this is not as uncommon as you think. A lot of people will have a night of drinking or, and I've been around a lot of people random times where I'll see all of a sudden someone's asking, do you want to do a shrooms or LSD or something or mm-hmm. Molly or something at two in the morning? And now in my head, I'm thinking mine's been done now. I'm winding down at this point. Right. I, I plan mine to end at a certain time every night. The last thing I'm doing is drinking six, seven alcoholic drinks mm. and then taking one and then thinking my body is going to feel great during that whole next seven hour trip. Yeah. Yeah. You don't think of it like that. <laughs> I mean, okay. Right. So, so I'm, I'm painting a picture for people. Yes. You painted it very nicely. Um, <laughs> so, okay. About a half hour goes by. I'm not feeling shit. No one else is feeling shit. And I'm like, this is ass. We just spent money on nothing. Start complaining. And then 15 more minutes goes by. So now 45 minutes goes by. And all of a sudden you just see everyone in just silence looking down at their um, feet. And that's why I was like, oh my God, we're about to really like 
take a really big journey, I think. And mind you, I've never, I, one of the people I had no idea who she was, I've never even met her before. Um, then it was other people. None of us have ever done this before. So we don't know really what we're in store for. My main thing was that I don't, I'm pretty sure you can't overdose on this stuff. So I think that we're going to be fine. Of course, to start settling in. And I'm telling you, like, the things I saw that night, I would look up at constellations and they were connecting. Everything was connecting. It was the strangest. It was so, it was very true though. I didn't, it didn't feel fake. It felt very true. And I, basically you could see like all energy. My, I would look down my arm. My veins were like, you could see like the blood literally running through. Like it was so crazy. And I would put my hands underneath this glass table and my fingertips, you know, like those static balls that make your hair frizz. My fingertips looked just like that underneath this glass table as I was moving them. And I was looking at the trees and I swear to God, the only way I could describe this was I saw the DNA in the trees. I saw life just going up and it was those colors like DNA are, but they were just constantly coming from the ground, going up into the tree, going up. Like it was just insane, but it didn't feel fake. It did not feel synthetic at all. I felt like I was, I felt like my mind was working at a capacity that's not always there. And like, they always say what well, we use, like what 8% of our brain capacity. Like I'm pretty sure mine was almost at a hundred percent. So we had an incredible journey. I mean, it lasted about 24 hours, maybe like 20 hours. It was a 20, 24 hours. I couldn't go to work the next day at 9 p.m. And we took this at 2 a.m. We were still tripping. Um, my brother, he's very materialistic and his friend was very cocky and they just, they like our one friend crumbled. He like just thought we were all going to kill him. I'm like, no, I'm like, but now you're freaking me out. My brother, he was like, just very and he was very scared that he's living his life in a really bad way because all he really cares about is money so that was very interesting to see my brother's ego completely shatter along with gussie's but he just decided to freak out so like whatever and so um so i was talking to my friend about what i was seeing this one chick who's really into all this stuff. I was explaining to her what I saw. I was like, I was just dumbfounded. Like, I swear to God, I saw DNA in the trees. And here's the best part about all this. She was like, we, you know, like, um, the guy that discovered DNA was tripping on LSD. And I was like, no way. I was like, cause I freaking saw that. And she was like, yeah, when he won his Nobel prize, he said, don't thank me, thank LSD. So I thought that was like, that's why it's so crazy. Cause I'm like, wow, I thought it was, you know, like, that's pretty freaking cool that I think I saw what he saw or along those lines. We're all connected. Yeah. Oh God. So yeah. Funny. So that's why I knew when I chatted with her the other day, now you folks know why I knew we had some kind of connection yeah. spiritually because <laughs> mm-hmm. this girl's an old soul mm-hmm. because her body and her mind at 22 years old opened up to allow that drug to show her what really I think in, in actuality um, we're all living with. Mm-hmm. And using psychedelics, many people believe, not to mention the medicinal benefits like being able maybe to get you off of nicotine and alcohol and help reduce that in you and other medicinal benefits we're going to talk about. But just the fact that it can make you feel one with nature, number one, and you said something about the word ego. Let's talk about that again because I love the way you describe this. Everyone has an ego we all no matter what everyone can say we don't judge we don't this no we all do deep down like it's it's an ego so basically when you do this drug um it just brings everything down any psychedelic that i've experienced is just you go you come back to who you really were like i know it sounds so cliche but when you were like five you know what i mean like you're your purest self you don't 
your ego is barely built up yet. You're not focusing on a lot of the materialistic things that the internet shows you to do and all this stuff. So when you, when you do this, you just feel like very pure and very one with everything like natural. So, and yeah, if, if you're not comfortable with yourself, you might not have the great ex- experience having your ego fall all the way down. So tell me about post that 20 hours. Like, how did your body feel? Um, how did you sleep for like 10 hours? Like, and how did you feel when you woke up? I was, I was amazed. I was, I definitely felt amazed. Um, I, I kept puking a lot. I puked a lot, but it didn't feel like a sick puke. I mean, I had nothing in me. You don't want to eat anything when you're in that state. So your body was actually like craving food and water at that point, probably. Right? It, it was, probably, but yeah. I, I just felt like I had, it was weird. I had, it was like an epiphany. Like I swear to God, I th- so I had to call my friend, Paul, who's very educated and all this stuff. I was like, who can I call right now to figure out what's going on with me? Cause I just, I'm, I felt reborn. I felt like, you know, just, like a whole new person. Like I had a fresh start. It was very strange. And so I called my friend Paul and I asked him what was going on. He said, I think you had an ego death. And he sent me a link describing what that was. And apparently lots of scientists, a lot of people that dabble with psychedelics, that's one thing they strive for is an ego death. They, um, yeah. So. No. Oh, so what did you, what did you find out when you looked it up? Uh, I find out that I think I had one along with my brother. Um, you just like the next day, like you just go through such an experience that you, you can't, you have no words for what you went through. You're, not, you're just trying to find an explanation for what you feel and why you feel this way the next day. Like I felt happy. I felt extremely happy, which is why when all these studies are coming out saying it can cure depression. Hell yeah, it can absolutely freaking can. Uh, and yeah, like when, even during your trip, like you don't want to drink or smoke really. You don't want to put anything, anything else in your system. You just kind of want to live in that moment. It's such a high frequency drug compared to other drugs out there. There's such low frequency I really do not enjoy like hammered people when I'm tripping. So you'll understand that if that ever happens, but. So ego death uh, is a complete loss of subjective self-identity. The term is used in various intertwined contexts with related meanings in Jungian philosophy, uh, psychology, the synonym term psychic death is used, which refers to a fundamental transformation of the psyche in death and rebirth mythology. Ego death is a phase of self-surrender and transition, as described by Joseph Campbell in the research on the mythology of hero's journey. It is a recurrent theme of world mythology and is used as a metaphor in some strands of contemporary Western thinking. Yeah, that, that sounds um, like, that's interesting. Yes. I, well, I definitely think I had, the first sentence there explained it all um, where you lose um, sight of your identity. I didn't know who to be. I didn't know what to do. Like when I came out of that, I was like, I just want to be good to everyone. And like, I'm so happy. But I was wondering how, like, and I, I just kept remembering the night. I mean, I would look up at the sky and was going from night. To, it felt like I felt... It felt like I had spent weeks in my apartment and my brain was just working on overload. And I just couldn't, I was seeing things that you know are really there, but you just can't see all the time. That's why it wasn't like a false feeling. That's why it impacted me so much. And that's why when you have an ego death, you're literally speechless. Like I can't explain what just happened. You just feel new. You feel new. So did you think you're a bad person before that experience? No, I mean, no, I don't, I don't yeah. think I was a bad person. I was definitely like I cared less about others. Um, I cared more about myself. I was a little more self-centered, um, really only focused on looks and, you know, just like, you know, like really dumb shit that doesn't like, if I hurt someone's feelings, I don't care. Like 
I would like to like fight a lot more, like get physical and violent with people. Cause I think that I thought that would, um, solve all my problems, but no. And after, after that trip is when I started to kind of like make some tweaks in my life. Like I, I, I've always been like a good person when I care about people, I care about them, but I always had a hard time letting people in. Mm -hmm. And so after that experience, I definitely was more open to new relationships and friendships. I just wanted to do good to the world. It was very, it was very, very unexpected because I had never done this drug. So I didn't think I'd feel this like, and that's why I started doing my research on psychedelics. You know, whenever you do your first psychedelic, you're like, oh, I just want to do this. I just want to get fucked up, you know, whatever. And after, if you like, after that, you just are mind blown. You're like, what just happened to me? So you just start researching, you realize it's so much more than just a good little, you know, high. And it's, take me down that path of your research. So, okay so, so what, then, what what sort of things were you, were you learning and then anything i I've i mean i didn't like store it all in my head but no, 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 i can no, give I, you like a little can, rundown yeah because yeah, um, i have other things to add to it so just you well, start see, the i had and, i had only done shrooms once before this and i didn't do too much research because i was too ignorant to realize what was going on but then after my lsd when i definitely started researching um the effects like the benefits i think that's the first thing i typed into google was the benefits of lsd because i felt so benefited after that experience, I felt so good. I'm like, why? Like, so that's why I started focusing on, I started realizing that actually in many different countries, they, they use LSD as, um, medicine. Um, there's a bunch of plate in this, like healed some people like, um, don't quote me. This might be ayahuasca or LSD is one of the two, but someone got cured of like diabetes. I'm pretty sure. And this one documentary I, I, um, watched and this one lady, she was, um, she was dying of breast cancer and she had, she was having a really hard time accepting it. So she went to a different country and they, um, watched, like they monitored her while she tripped on LSD and she came out with a different mindset on it, a much better mindset. So LSD, some of the under in Wikipedia, uh, medical benefits currently has no approved uses in medicine, though we all know that it was used regularly and has been in tribes and all sorts of, different methods. Uh, a meta-analysis concluded that a single dose was effective at reducing alcohol consumption in alcoholism. LSD <laughs> has also been studied in depression, anxiety, and drug dependence with positive preliminary results. What do you got there, Bob? I got uh, LSD was synthesized at, at, uh, by a Swiss scientist into the 1930s during the Cold War. The CIA conducted clandestine experiments with LSD and other drugs for mind control information gathering and other purposes. Over time, the drug became a symbol of the 1960s counterculture, eventually joining other hallucinogenics and recreational drugs at rave parties. Lysergic acid diethylamide, LSD, also known as acid, is a hallucinogenic drug. Effects typically include altered thoughts, feelings, and awareness of one's surroundings. Many users see or hear things that do not exist. But what about things like Shelby, which I do believe exist? <laughs> People want to say that doesn't exist. I think it exists, and we only can see it when we use this, the, the, these type of um, enablers. While LSD does not appear to be addictive, which that is in everywhere I have read about everywhere, they always make that very known. That is right, yeah. always in the first two paragraphs of everything I've read. Now I've, I've pulled data up about mushrooms and mescaline and LSD, and it says there is no addiction, though tolerance does does uh, go up with increased usage. Adverse psychiatric reactions. Notice I say psychiatric, not mm -hmm. physical. 
No adverse right. physical reactions mm-hmm. they're talking about here, folks. How crazy is that? Think yeah. about that, everybody. There's adverse physical reactions to alcohol, too much water in you, too many tomatoes, too many potatoes. I'll go down mm-hmm. this road of all these things that can kill you. But now psychedelics is another something like cannabis that... Yeah. No over... Okay. Uh, and let me keep reading here because I got to get off my soapbox for a minute. Hold on. Boom. Back on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> adverse psych- psychiatric reactions such as anxiety, paranoia, and delusions are possible. And you said one of your friends had that and he probably couldn't get him out of his own mind of realizing who he is, who, who he has mm-hmm. to be, who he really wants to be. Um, distressing flashba- flashbacks, a condition very rare, though occasionally occurs via accidents. The effects of LSD are believed to occur as a result of alterations in the serotonin system. So that's just one of them. But I really want to get over to, to mushrooms next because that's what I have the most experience with. I actually got scared off of acid when I was young because I didn't like that feeling. I had one trip, which I believe was on mescaline. Um, I only used acid twice. I'm sorry, three times in my life. I think I've said previously twice, but I've recalculated three times. And one of the times I could not sleep. I was up to like... 11, 12, uh, and I didn't like it because I had an energy and I was running around a track for the last two hours, basically oh, trying to wear it off uh, because I had already analyzed everything in my head Did at that work? point. Um, no, I, w- I was a journalist and a writer already at that point, so I, I didn't need it to do further awakening, it w- but it was a great night. With I mean, everybody. running around the tracks. Yes, it finally wore me down. <laughs> yeah, yes, okay. the running finally wore me down. Yes, I, I like, like... Also I another I trick if you're ever having coming off a trip... Go outside barefoot and look up at the sky, and it balances your equilibrium. Ooh, from the young lady. Okay, <laughs> all right. So I, I do have some odd facts about mushrooms. So I want. So you switch to mushrooms. You said and you like mushrooms best. Uh, hold on, let's calculate. Bob, how many times have you done mushrooms in your life or experienced that? Oh, was I supposed to count? No, I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, hey, you know, we were trying to give just a general oh, okay. ballpark. Numerous. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, um, oh, probably over 30. Okay. And at this uh, point. All right. So did you go to sh- shrooms pretty quickly after your LSD experience? No, I didn't. I, I, um, I, I just came across them one day. Like I said, like going about my day normally and not preparing for that. Someone just had mushrooms at a party. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I, I heard when mushrooms come to a party, it's a very fun guy. Let's see. <laughs> oh, that was a good one. Wow, Shelby laughed. I like I, that. It's the only person that's ever going to laugh at a Bob joke. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. So now, can you say it? How do you say it? Psilocybin? Yes. Is that what Psilocybin. Like? Thank you. Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about. That is the component. I used to say psychosiblin. <laughs> and I, I, I was like, oh, I'm wrong. I'm so glad someone in this room knew, said it right. Yeah. So I didn't have to say it today. <laughs> I'm not going to say it the rest of the day. I'm just going to keep going. What's the name of it, guys? <laughs> Mushrooms. Mushrooms hyperconnect the brain. So I have some. This is from Live Science website. Um, these are facts about mushrooms. This is not stuff where I'm just making up because I'm right. going to validate because Shelby's going to tell us a really couple awesome stories coming up. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to validate before she tells stories so people will be like, when she's telling the story, be like, oh, I see how it applies now. Yeah. So mushrooms hyperconnect the brain. The compounds in... 
psilocybin mushrooms may give users a mind melting feeling but in fact the drug does the opposite it actually boosts the brain's connectivity According to an October 2014 study, researchers at King's College London asked 15 volunteers undergo brain scanning by a functional magnetic resonating imaging, MRI machine. They did so once after ingesting a dose of magic mushrooms and once after taking a placebo. The resulting brain connectivity map showed that while under the influence of the drug, the brain synchronizes activity among areas that would not normally be connected. That was so true. Can everybody listen to that, please? I have to say that again. The resulting brain connectivity map showed that while under the influence of the drug, the brain synchronizes activity among areas that would not normally be connected. <laughs> That's why it's forbidden from us, everybody. Exactly, because we become freaking We all would be super people. Yes. This alteration in activity could explain the dreamy state that shroom users report experiencing after taking the drug, the researchers said. Give us a story now, Shelby. Okay, I will. Um, let me think. So many. Uh, that's, that's what I love. <laughs> there's so many. Um, I got to think of the most impactful. I guess my favorite thing about... I I prefer to do shrooms alone. I, I'll be completely honest. Unless I'm with like a couple close friends. Like, like Honestly, though, like on a Saturday night, I will just eat shrooms and go to bed by 2 a.m. and be nice. And, and define how many you eat then in that case. Just oh, curious. probably like... You know, if I want to like, you know, see, like feel like amazed, like an eighth, ideally, and you do grow a tolerance, so it's the only thing, but ideally an eighth, even half an eighth by yourself will be fine. Um, if you're a beginner, half an eighth will be just fine, actually. And, um, but I like to do them alone a lot um, because you just get to do everything you want to do. You know, you go outside, look at the stars, you don't have to worry about, you know, people judging you if something that's something you're worried about um if you have animals they're the best when you're tripping your little pets so you love them so much and they love you so much right back they're not scared of you at all that they're actually drawn to you i've noticed when you're in that state of mind they just are very drawn to you but my favorite thing my favorite experience on shrooms would have to be not it wasn't for me at all it was for my my cousin Alyssa. she was going through a hard time uh, mentally and she had this weird pain in her back. It was almost like it was her kidney. I'm not saying don't go to the doctors if you feel like your kidney's swelling up, but because I was having some issues, she just kept popping these ibuprofen. I'm like, less. I'm like, you're gonna be drinking later. Stop. I'm. I go just take some shrooms. She's like, no. I'm like, yeah. So we chopped them up, put them into ice cream. Highly recommend that, by the way, because the shrooms start to taste like a cone after. And so, sure enough like 20 minutes goes by and she's not having that pain anymore. Turns out shrooms are also a huge anti-inflammatory. Uh, did not know about that until everyone started feeling like, like gummy or whatever. After That's they did right. it. But so my favorite thing though, is when people are going through a really hard time and I can, sh and I can watch them let themselves let all their problems go. That's what I love seeing. I just love watching people, you know, love themselves again and like be ready to take on anything. And my, my cousin said she was just, she put her hat out the window and she said, Shelby, she goes, I feel so free. And she said it like with tears in her eyes and people like a lot of times when people are in a, a depressed state, they think there's no hope. Like even if they're like on a lot of antidepressants, they just think like this is it. This is how they're going to act the rest of their life. So it's really nice for me when I do shrooms, I would do it with someone that actually needs it and just needs to take some time for them to see them really open up and just let, all the bullshit go. 
it makes them so beautiful in that moment. Like I just loved it. I loved the smile was pure. It wasn't a fake smile that you see all the time. It was like pure, like she just felt bliss. So that's my favorite part of tripping is just helping other people and guiding them. Just telling them whatever. I just always say it's your night. You can do it. We can do whatever the hell you want. You want to go to the beach? We'll go to the beach. You want to go to Wegmans? We'll go to Wegmans. Cook a freaking steak and crab legs. I don't care. LiveScience.com. Mushrooms kill fear. Yes. Another strange side effect of magic mushrooms, they destroy fear. A 2013 study in mice found that when dosed with psilocybin, the animals became less likely to freeze up when they heard a noise they had learned to associate with a painful electric shock. Mice that were not given the drug also gradually relaxed around the noise, but it took longer. The mice were given a low dose of psilocybin, and the research said they hope this animal study will inspire more work on how mushrooms might be used to treat mental health problems in people. For example, small doses of psilocybin could be explored as a way to treat post-traumatic stress disorder, the researchers say. Wait a second. Cannabis and mushrooms mm-hmm. now could cure PTSD and neither one have Anything to do with the biggest epidemic facing this country Overdosing. right now, opioids. Yeah. What is wrong and with this picture? Some, yeah, I know. Give me so, another story. Come on, so Sophie. to relate to the fear thing you just said. So the most recent time I tripped, it was outside of my cousin's house and I had eight and a full eighth. Meanwhile, everyone had just ate half an eighth. So they don't get to where I'm at, but. I'm just, I'm typically afraid of bugs. Like most people, like if a bug comes near me, I'm going to swat it. I'm like, ew, get away from me. Like just don't like insects on me really. But this one time I was tripping, just like a couple months ago and this small, I mean, it was microscopic. You couldn't see it with your, only me and my condition because it was real. I felt it. So it's little tiny neon green speck. And I'm assuming my trip made it this neon color just landed on my knee. And I look at it and like my normal self, would be like, ew, get off. You know, I'd swat it off like an asshole. But I inside I was like, oh my God, look at this bug. I was and I was just so enthralled with it. Cause I'm like, is this really here? Is this a thing? And I my fear for bugs at that moment let go and I just put on my on my finger and he just boom, he just went off into the air. But it was there and then yes, everyone was like, All right, we need to go buy another eighth because we want to get where you're at. But I definitely Yep. Definitely was not scared of that little bug in that moment. Psychologists say that few things can truly alter someone's personality in adulthood. That's true. My cousin and I have talked about this a lot of times that really after the age of 13, someone's personality is pretty much set. And it's for two major regions. One is hereditary factors. <clears throat> so the piece of genes you get from your mother and your father have a big to do with your, who your personality is. But then your personal experiences then tr- then will be that second piece. So at 13 years old, you're pretty much set who you are. Psychedelics are the one thing, other than someone's physical discipline to want to change their personality. And, and it's like every day they got to do triggers to be different. But psychologists say that few things can truly alter someone's personality in adulthood, but magic mushrooms may be one of those things. A 2011 study found that after one dose of psilocybin, people became more open to new experiences for at least 14 months, a shockingly stable change. People with open personalities are more creative and more appreciative of art, and they value novelty and emotion. 
The reason for the change seems to be the psilocybin's effects on emotions. People describe mushrooms trips as extremely profound experiences and report feelings of joy and connectedness to others and to the world around them. Generally speaking, when I am on mushrooms, I know who is around me Mm -hmm. on something. I can't tell you what they took, but I can tell they're in the altered state and there's certain eye contact with those people. And I've been in public settings and noticed it. And because I've done it a handful of times and notice it, I can notice people in that state even when I'm not. Um, but when I am, it's instantaneous to me. Do you have you had that same experience? Oh yeah. I mean, you. I feel like you understand. Like if you're tripping and you are, you look into someone's eyes. You like they always say, eyes are windows to the soul. Definitely think you can. Like feel that a lot more when you're in that state of mind and you can really get a better judgment for someone when you're in that state of mind. Um, I was working at a bar one time. Oh my God, I'm such an, I trip a lot. <laughs> I was working in my bar one time and yes, I was tripping. And this guy came in, I got the worst vibe off this dude. I got the, I kicked him out. I was like, so like, well, after he started arguing with one of our regulars and just being a complete asshole. But I knew right away when he walked in, I said, that boy is trouble and I don't freaking like him. And my friend's like, Shelby, you're just tripping. I said, yeah, I trust myself the most right now. That's right. Like, I, so I, of course I go outside after like 15 minutes of him being out there. Of course I walk out. He's freaking going crazy on some people. And then he starts calling me names. I'm like, yeah, I was right. You got to go. Bye. <laughs> Your first instinct. Yeah, exactly. My first, right when I saw him, it was boom over. So, okay. So let's describe for people. Cause there are, there are certain people out there be like, no way. Oh my, and now all of a sudden they're thinking, wow, there was a bartender at a bar who was on shrooms and functioning and oh, running yeah. a wet register properly and managing, you know, managing the place. Generally bartender runs, runs the freaking joint. So tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that experience. Cause I want people to understand that you can actually could do not, I are not recommending you anybody to do this. Well, let me no, repeat No, I'm this. really not. But, <laughs> I'm not recommending it to no, anyone, but, but it's not impossible. How you can. Um, unless you're like, you know. It's, it's definitely not impossible. Um, actually, I, as a bartender at a, a nightclub, I'm more friendly and more open and more loving towards people. So it makes my night better um, monetarily and just like in building relationships with the clients and customers and all that stuff. So um, it's it's a little, you get distracted a little more easily. Like if you're about to pour a drink, you see a little glistening in the corner. I'm like, oh wow, that's sad. And like, oh, okay, back to making a drink. So it's it's doable. And it's, I think people can tell too. Cause you either, people probably just think I'm like really stoned. Cause I'm like, what can I get for you? Okay. Love ya. And I, yeah. you. Know? <laughs> and like, you just love everyone. And there's music at the nightclub I work at. So, I'm, you know, it's definitely fun. I would not recommend it for an office job though. No. Oh gosh, no. can you imagine? <laughs> Wasn't there an episode of uh, what's that office show that my son used to like to watch? The Office. Yeah. Wasn't there an episode <laughs> where they were tripping out on that episode or something? Bob, what do you got? You got something about shrooms there? Come on. Uh, I got a research. I got a little research on a Dr. Robin Carhart Harris. He, his quote is. Based on what we know from various brain images studies with psychedelics, as well as taking heed of what people say about their experiences, it may be that psychedelics do indeed reset the brain network associated with depression, effectively enabling 
them to be lifted from the depressed state? Um, yeah, I would have to. Every time after I do shrooms is how I feel the next day. It's exactly how I feel. Every time I have an experience with mushrooms, there's something profound that comes out of that experience. You learn something new every time. It's every always time. a new experience. Something, Or I cleared my mind of something yes. I needed to going into it. Exactly. You learn something or let go of something new every time. So, And these transcendent experiences that we're talking about now appear, appear to linger. And the experiments, and this is me going back to the shrooms made to change people for the good to end this thought. And the exter- experiments, the researchers took great pains to ensure their participants did not experience bad trips. As some people respond to psilocybin with panic, nausea, and vomiting, volunteers were kept safe in a room with peaceful music and calming surroundings. So basically what that is a perfect example of what we're talking about when you're prepping for any kind of experience okay. with this is to make sure you do everything you can to make the situation as calming and relaxing as possible. But we just mentioned Christmas a minute ago. And as I was scrolling through here, it says something about Santa Claus may have come from mushrooms. <laughs> um, so I need to get back to this because we're in the Christmas um, mindset here, right? So we got to figure out how the heck could mushrooms be tied with. Um, so Shelby, give me another quick story. Uh, and I'll give you a quick mushroom story. So yeah, um, my first time doing mushrooms was definitely in college at Oswego, and it, I was in a bar when it started mm-hmm. with several people. And quickly, I realized I wanted to be outside, and I ended up just walking around the whole town of Oswego with a buddy of mine all night. Nice. <laughs> So walking along the lake, Florida, like that's all we did was walk mm-hmm. all night long. And then, you know, it's at one point went to a buddy's house and, and, and ducked out for a little while. But the majority of my night was walking. So that's when I realized I got lucky early on of having that experience to know that that's when I like to do it best. Because I'm so high strung already. Mm-hmm. For me, being, being with a psychedelic in closed quarters, mm-hmm. Because I'm already an introspective person. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to have psychedelics to like dig further into right. who am I because I'm very self-aware of who I am. Mm-hmm. So right now, psychedelics for me are just tell me focus to learn more or see things differently or, mm-hmm. or to really enjoy yeah. you know, the connectivity of it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's definitely what I get out of it. So magic mushrooms explain Santa, maybe. You guys, you guys want to hear this, right? I it's absolutely want to hear this. <laughs> On the subject of myth, settle in for a less than innocent tale of Christmas cheer. According to Sierra College anthropologist John Rush, magic mushrooms explain why kids wait for a flying elf to bring them presents on December 25th. Rush says that Siberian shamans used to bring gifts of hallucinogenic mushrooms to households each winter. What? Reindeer were the spirit animals of these shaman, and ingesting mushrooms might just convince a hallucinogenic tribe member that those animals could fly. Plus, Santa's red and white suits look suspiciously like the colors of the mushroom species. The one we all know from Strawberry Shortcake, the, the Amanita musaria, which I actually think I said right, which grows, wait for it, under evergreen trees. And I saw some at Watkins Glen this summer. Oh my God. I actually have pictures of the red lights. Is this like what they say? Yes, this is actually. Oh my God. So this is, however, this species is toxic toxic to people, so it couldn't have been those, but apparently because those were under the evergreens. But feeling like you've just been taking a bad trip, not to worry, not all anthropologists are sold on this hallucinogenic Christmas connection, but still, as Carl's Ruck, Carl Ruck, a classic, classist, Boston University told Love Science in 2012, at first glance, one thinks it's ridiculous, but maybe not. <laughs>
It's intriguing, to say the least. I like that. I'll stick with that story. Can you imagine? I'm going to tell my kids that someday. What do you mean someday? I can't <laughs> wait. In two weeks when my family gets together for Christmas, everybody's going to hear this story right? and be like, Brian, leave it on your podcast. Like Santa is real. <laughs> Santa is real. Yeah, kids. Santa's is real. Take this mushroom and you'll see him too. <laughs> so Shelby, tell me, you said, talk about pets. Yeah. What, what Love do you have my for babies. pets? Yeah, what do you got? I have a cat named Static and a dog named Roxy. And, oh, my cousin has a dog named Roxy. So does your Roxy want to eat every piece of food in her reach at all times? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's relentless. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you have to hide the oh, I do give cans. it to her, though. Sometimes I make her give me a paw, though. Okay. Make her do a little trick before she gets a piece of pepperoni. No, she's a small dog. pizza. Yeah, she's a small dog. <laughs> she's dog. medium. She's Shiba Inu. So she's okay. about 40, 35 to 40 pounds. Can she jump up on the counter? Um, Like counter surf? Like, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Now mm-hmm. does she? Not when she sees me coming down the hall. <laughs> like, she's like, nope, I'm down. Uh, definitely when she definitely tried. when I turn my back. Yeah, she's sneaky. All right, for those of you out there, nobody else name your dogs Roxy because yeah. that's two for two. Because my cousin's dog. How about uh, we want to talk about Weimariners? Quick Weimariner story for people. Weimariner are those gray dogs that you see in commercials sometimes, where they're propped up and they look like they talk. Oh, okay. okay yeah. They're very cute. They're, so they're uh-huh. very docile dogs, and they're very easy to train. But they are also effing smart so this is what they did i've been babysitting them now for many many years i go to my cousins when they leave town because these two crazy dogs can't stay alone so i go over there and roxy and cooper shout out to you two losers um (laughs) i love you dearly but actually listen to this smart the first couple times i would go stay there i'd go and set my food in the middle of the counter thinking i'm safe okay Mm -hmm. then one of them would go over to the door to chime to go out to go to the bathroom my food's in the middle counter as i would go over to open the door the other one would go to grab the food oh my god they played you oh and they tried it multiple times to the point where i actually had to say something to the two of them and look at them and go i know what you're doing and then i would have put the food up in the microwave before doing it as soon as they saw that they would go and lay down where they were yeah oh my god they're smart Mm -hmm. they're so smart yeah talk about so we want to talk about your animals so you've been around them probably a handful of times or more while you're on oh, psychedelics tell me probably about probably like every time because uh, there's my comfort zone yeah so tell, so uh, tell just us the love relates. I feel for them I just love them so much they're so pure animals are the purest they're so pure they're like children like like babies you can't really get they don't lie they don't you know I mean they, they just they haven't been filled with all this bullshit or whatever it goes into your brain sometimes that we all hear as adults so yeah, uh, I just love them so much, and they love me. It's just the best little feeling to be all cuddled up with your animals and you so know, hearing their heart beating, all that breathing, just like chilling. When you're with them, it's euphoric. It is euphoric, they yes. Don't, they don't ever talk to you? No, unfortunately <laughs> not. I've, I have yet to see that on shrooms. And they're always safe with you. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just feel that's my comfort zone, man. Like my house. That's why I like to, you know, my just, you know, like they're my little animal family. I love them so much. I do. And I just find that those souls are like the things you want to be around when you're in that state of mind because your animals aren't going to judge you. They're always going to love you. And they're, they're very pure forms of life. I love them. There's always moments when I sit back and I say, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm doing it. So mm-hmm. at this moment right now, I'm looking at Mother Nature Network. I apologize because this is actually when I turn this around to Bob, he's going to... He loves tangents. <laughs> no, this is really... I'm sorry. So Mother Nature... And I'm looking at other facts about mushrooms. So um, 
the the headline of this is psilocybin may cause lasting personality change, like we mentioned. So I wasn't even going to dig into it. But the picture they have is a picture that in a place where Bob Pye, my co-host, and I have actually been Let me see. and have a picture. So I'm going to turn. Uh, I'm going to. Oh yeah, I'm going to turn it on because it's not plugged in, but. This spot, Bob and I have actually oh, been together. That? It's in the Adirondacks. This is in the Adirondacks. That's pretty. Um, I'd love to be there. I think this is good now, if I'm not mistaken, oh, Bob. Yeah. Good now. So, the, so the, where this picture is taken, Bob and I have been several times. Yeah, it's a good mountain. now. It's a mountain. Oh, good now. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> it's on the Huntington Preserve up in the Adirondacks. It's a um, great Route 28. And Looks I, awesome. Bob and I, actually were tripping <laughs> on the top of this mountain. That would be like amazing. Yeah. Okay. So here we are. In this setting, talking about this, the picture that pops up on the website I'm looking at is a spot where Bob and I have physically taken this. I have this exact picture in my collection, except I took it from different angles and also the table underneath. So what we're looking at, folks, is a picture. I'm looking out good now, fire tower, and it has windows, and some of the windows partially open. Okay, okay so you're inside the fire tower looking out, but if you look down at the face of the fire tower in, in it, there's actually like... It tells you all the mountains and all the peaks around you, and it's like a compass. And I actually have a picture where I pull it out and do a wide angle into all that. But I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but it's just how does that picture come up on a story about mushrooms? I and know, in right? That, and I, him and I took that picture, and we were on shrooms That's together very in that spot. That's weird. Um, and like my that. kids have climbed this mountain. So both my yeah. kids. Uh, I and right near this, where this mountain and this picture is taken, is Hudson River, the origin point of the Hudson River. Which to me, tripping out, we have tripped out at Harris Lake, Rich Lake. And if anybody can make it up Route 28, Newcomb, New York is called the Heart of the Adirondacks. Take shrooms there and go spend some time. Oh, I, I will. In a canoe. And it is, the, so it is where the Hudson River, it's not the hustle bustle in New York City where it empties into the ocean or where the barges run from Albany down and mm-hmm. from all the little towns. This is actually where you actually can't even take a canoe anymore. Like I've been on the Hudson River where the canoe has to be put aside and I'm climbing on boulders and bouldering up to where it's just. Whew, Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I've never been to that Adirondack, so I definitely should go there. Oh, you got to go. Uh, yeah. They're no, that picture is beautiful. There's here's one thing I think that if any of you decide to go do shrooms, a really fun activity to do while you're doing it is a coconut oil treatment on your hair. Oh, my God. It is so fun. It's, it's amazing. You just get a big bowl of coconut oil and you just dunk your head in it and then your hair is beautiful the next day. Just leave it. Like spa day now, with the do boys. You get, do you get to play? So, yes. Yeah, I don't have long enough hair. Bob, yeah, Bob well, no, when you put your, like, hair everything's just so, it's amazing. It's like coding. It. It's, it's like, like a little co- fun activity. Yeah, you oh, get healthy cool. hair and it's fun as shit. And it's bonding, you know. I totally support anything that has to do with <laughs> personal care while you're on psychedelics because then you got physical personal care your with your... Too wire at it. Love it. Oh, God. <laughs> So I want to put some perspective on how long humans and mushrooms go back. Like Shelby at 22 and me in my last... So the first time I experienced any kind of hallucinogenic was my freshman year in college at Morrisville in 1987. I was... 18 years old at the time. That's when it started. I'm 46 now, and I probably had about 30 experiences with psychedelics in my life um, in that amount of time. So, you know, what is that? About 30 years, 20, 20 something years, 30, 29, 30 years. Anyways, We've already discussed it. My memory sucks. Humans <laughs> and magic mushrooms go back millennia, far longer than any of us in this room. Yeah. So, so, various mushroom stones, I'm looking at some pictures that go back all the way to 
500 AD. I mean, shaman times. Yeah, 500 AD. How about they, that? Like a, when they mix politics and religion. It's when your shaman would tell you to go dig up a shroom or something. So Shelby, I want to have people to be impressed. Tell us some more stuff that you learned about shrooms before I dig into to this. What other nuggets did you learn that you can impart on us? I mean, you've covered a lot of it. That, that, yeah. That's the most mind-blowing stuff I've ever learned. The, mo- the one thing was... um. Just the fact that it can like cure things, and I've felt that a lot. So I'm just not good at being put on the spot. Ned. No, you're good. So I tell hope the people story are impressed. About your I'm sorry if I'm out of present. You anyway. are way impressive. Okay. So tell the story. I'm, I'm trying fine. to lead to your um, story about your dad. Oh, what did I tell you? Which one? About the didn't he have a bad knee or bum knee? Was oh, he had a fine? bad knee. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, okay. it's kind of like my cousin story where I'm hurt. Yeah, my yeah, dad. Yeah, we'll had do bad... both those two stories. So, oh, okay. so, so now we're going to talk about. Right now, we've been talking a lot about how this stuff could be healthy for your mind, um, and how it can connect things different in your mind, and that's been seen in MRIs. But now Shelby's got two stories, and, and this really what intrigued me most about her stories were these two. So, two people that didn't really have any experience with psychedelics before at all, and Shelby just said this could work for it. So, tell the story. I love it. Well, yeah, my dad. He came into town. He was like limping the whole time, and. Again, popping ibuprofen. I was like, well, why don't you just try some mushrooms? He goes, oh, you think it'll work? I'm like, well, I don't know. Let's try. And so we did, and we had a quite a fun evening. We just hung out with my dog, played fetch, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, he's running around like he's 11 again. Of course, exactly what he said. He goes, I feel like I'm freaking 11 years old. I go, Dad, how's your knee? He goes, oh, my God. He goes, I totally forgot it even hurt the whole time. And I was like, wow. You wouldn't expect that off mushrooms to be actually physically helpful as well. Was that his first time using mushrooms? It was his first time in, I think, 13 years. So it was quite some time. And nobody had ever considered using him for any kind of pain therapy like that, right? No, but the reason why um, I would always recommend if someone's like not feeling good, because every time I take them, I feel fine. Like if I had a headache, it goes away. Um it's, you know, it works really fast and really well and it doesn't come back for the most part at all. Do you get incredibly thirsty? Yeah, I do. I do get thirsty, especially within the first 45 minutes. I get a little thirsty. I think water tastes amazing. Oh, I'm yeah. so glad you guys just said that because I'm a firm believer of the water. Half your body weight and all is per, you know, per your body weight. So mm-hmm. I weigh 160 pounds right now to 80 ounces per day minimum. But if you're on psychedelics, I highly encourage you increase that rate substantially. Um, just what I've noticed at certain concerts where there are high propensity of people that are on psychedelics, dehydration is the biggest issue people have in that environment. If there's anybody that is um, not making it or needs medical attention, generally speaking, it's dehydration that they're experiencing mm-hmm. because yeah, right. they're not putting enough fluids in their body because the psychedelics do increase... Um, because it's connecting things that are not connected before, your body's working at a rate higher rate than it has before mm-hmm. because of what it's allowing your body to do. Now, all of a sudden, your body, all these neurons are firing differently. All these things are in your body. The cannabinoid receptors, I'm sure, are, are and the neurons are all firing, firing. So your body needs more water because our bodies are mostly water. Dehydration. So I'm glad both of you guys just mentioned oh, that. Oh, yeah. You don't want it. Yeah. For some reason, though, when I'm doing shrooms, I do not want alcohol. It's so weird. I just don't. It's because of that ego thing, right? So because I believe when you're on psychedelics, it, it is putting you in such a spiritual state of mind. Your spirit knows alcohol is not natural for it. Yeah, want. low frequency drugs as opposed to mushrooms or anything else like that. I definitely like prefer 
all those things over alcohol. Someone's like, here, Shelby, here's a bottle of wine or some shrooms. I'm like, oh, I'll take the shrooms, please. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, cannabis yeah. or shrooms. Exactly. What? Oh, cannabis or Can- shrooms? Cannabis. No, those are the two. I would say, oh, okay. I would I say cannabis. Or, no, there is no choice you can't. between you need those both two. The no, same time. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because the cannabis helps set up that um, psychedelic. So it does help set up that half hour. And let's talk a little bit how we dose for me. I've explained it before, but not with you in the room. Um, so I generally speaking have done about an eighth of them minced up and put them in some kind of, um, liquid to take into my body. I always find that comes into me messed and I generally will get about a five to six hour energy. I don't want to call it a trip for me. It's like a ball yeah. of energy and all my five senses about an eighth. Okay. Okay. And then I don't really do, I've never really done lighter doses. Um, because I didn't find value in that, but I may actually start maybe doing lighter doses at some point. Like if the I microdosing? Feel, if I feel ailments, but right now I'm very healthy, but if I do feel ailments in the future, I'm definitely going to now think yeah, about Yeah, try that. it. Oh my God. Because it's like, wow, this works. The, but- well, the anti-inflammatory, because you already know cannabis is anti-inflammatory mm-hmm. in either CBD or THC form. So now... I'm thinking shrooms are just probably that step up anti-inflammatory. And because it attaches neurons that aren't usually attached, I mean, if it doesn't, your brain is doing the rest of your body. Exactly. Basically, it's helping your body repair itself quicker right. when it's in you. Mm-hmm. The regeneration. Yeah. The way I dose is, it all depends on what kind of night I'm, I want to have. If I really want to like, you know, reset everything and feel like new tomorrow. I'm probably eat more than an eighth, but if I just want to have a chill night, you know, be in bed early, you know, probably like an eighth or maybe a little bit less for me. But, um, yeah, I was just going to say something. I totally forgot. It's okay. You can come back to it. I, I definitely think that people who have never done mushrooms before, first of all, know where you're acquiring them from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can grow them yourself. You, if you Google, uh, Amazon sells the kits to grow them yourself. So challenging. It's, a, very it's amazing. It's very, the, the kits Thank themselves you, are not legal yes, in the U.S., correct. but you can buy the cow manure and stuff, and then make your own little. But like I've tried to buy grow kits plenty of times, and they are all from different countries. And they won't ship here. But like he said, maybe there's a way around it, but it's just it's got to be really hard. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, I don't encourage it. Um, but if you're going to uh, get it or you want to look, there's always ways to acquire it because there are people who grow it. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually, we're getting a lot more proactive about it. So we do have medicinal mushroom lab here in Rochester, New York. It's in Scottsville. Um, so they're a company that's actually looking also to make it crazy their lab they're really looking to make it efficient so they want to bring hemp plants in there to help recycle the carbon dioxide and the oxygen and use it as full circle and help fuel the mushrooms which is great Um, oregon's a couple steps away from having mushrooms legalized there for medicinal purposes so that's pretty cool because you don't hear about a lot in the news they don't tell you this stuff you know i i see it in other places and that's pretty cool psychedelics have really been kept quiet and the general public has never had a huge push of it because I think the general tone is we, we really don't all want to see a lot of people at once in society. Yeah. Well, that's true. On a psychedelic. I mean, cause you don't know how someone else, the next person is going to react. You know, some, there are unstable people out there and stuff, you know? So, I mean, all of us in this room, I believe if all of us sat here right now, 
um, and had, let's say, a half an eighth of shrooms mm-hmm. and walked out of here into society. Nobody in society would know we had taken that half no, an eighth we, of No, I feel like we Not, could keep nobody. it together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, all five of us could do anything. We, I could probably go play a basketball game. I would come game, back with like 10 new friends. I'm like, okay. Oh, heck yeah. We all would be more social. That's right. We yeah. all would be more social. We'd all meet people. We probably all would have hugged somebody in that right. time. Right, oh, absolutely. Too, yep. No doubt. Well, maybe not Bob because Bob apparently is an anti-hugger all of a sudden. <laughs> um, so how long has it been around? Like, I want to get back to this point. Now, humans and magic shrooms go back millennia well, because- I'm Native go, American and oh, I- that's the- Thank yes, you. Yes. So I know my ancestors have definitely, you know, ate some of those and made a little circle and, you know, banged tell, their drums and told their stories. Tell me some of your heritage, what, please. I'm Mohawk Indian, Turtle Clan- from Fifth Nation Reservation. My great-grandmother was actually engaged to the actor that played Tonto in the black and white TV show, Tonto and the Lone Ranger. So that's a cool little fun fact. But um, yeah, the little powwows, I'm sure, I mean, that's what they would do. Like Native Americans, that's, like, that's their thing. They would take things from the earth and use it to have ceremonies and stuff. Like shrooms were, played a huge role in their Native American society, and I'm sure they still do. It was a huge thing for them, you know. Part of the culture. Part of the culture. I'm not- Sometimes I feel like that's why I like it so much. Like I'm like one of the only people in my family that is this into researching, learning more and like, you know, partaking in psychedelics. My whole family is like, Shelby, what's wrong with you? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> it's part of your culture though. Because yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I th- isn't it wasn't it a rite of passage in most tribes to do some kind of psychedelic it like brought you into adulthood, like peyote and Yeah, and, and I'm pretty sure like my friend told me an experience where he went to a ceremony where someone was turning like sixteen in a Native American um tribe and he did mushrooms or was it uh, peyote? It was one of the two. But yeah, that's what that's that's like your Manhood right, thing, a passage, yeah. yeah. Bob, didn't wasn't there a time when there was an attempt to gather peyote in Yellowstone? <laughs> yeah, I did research on. It. I had like books of all this information off oh. the internet, and we went into the into the desert and we looked and we looked and we looked. Never found any. But, so I've never done peyote. How do you find that? Like what? I heard it's in the southern tier of Arizona, and. I don't think we went that. I don't think we went, we went far, far enough. Far, far enough. No. Yeah, we were looking. Was it like, like a cactus, right? Yeah, cactus. And, and then it's white flowered flower off of a cactus. It's a short little stubby cactus, kind of. And those those like two day trips though, right? Like yeah, pretty can, long. And they're yeah. tough to. It's, you have to make it up. Like I believe it's this. It's the the stem. Not the what's the pistols. It's like the. Pistols Are you thinking of um, the peyote plant? No, the part of the peyote plant that you the, use. The white flower that we that. We, we got in trouble for in Zion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't peyote. Oh, that wasn't. No, oh, no. That but was, that was it. With the attempt was finding peyote. Yes, in that, I, in that I think the roundabout name for that is moonflower. Okay, I don't know the exact name for that, but uh, we were harvesting seeds from that, and you make tea out of it, and it can give you a little hallucinogenic run. And the ranger said. No, you stay away from that plant. Yeah, we did get caught by the ranger. I didn't realize we looked, that was Moonflower, not Peyote. But so Peyote is like the the Doors movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole. Okay. Um, but I'm curious. I really do believe, like, right of passage, Peyote shrooms. It's amazing to me that in those cultures, they because it makes every member of their tribe feel like part of the earth, right? That's kind of the... Yeah, and that's that's one thing I... Why I really... That's the difference for me between LSD and mushrooms is that when I do mushrooms, I feel more connected with nature and more 
just drawn to nature rather than out of my freaking mind, like in space. I feel a little more grounded when I do shrooms. It just feels more natural. Um, definitely love the fact that when the shrooms are off, you just go right to bed. There's no nothing bad about the next day at all. No little hangover, nothing. Like most studies say, you feel better. And everyone that like reset, so... No one exactly knows when humanity discovered magic mushrooms, but there's an ev- there's evidence to suggest they were used in religious rituals thousands of years ago. Psilocybin mushrooms were important to some Mesoamerican cultures at the time of Spanish conquest, for example, a tradition that was likely already ancient by then. A genuine mushroom cult in Mesoamerica culture seems to have existed, biologist Nari Nyberg wrote in a 1992 study, and its beginnings can be traced to remote antiquity antiquity basically the origins of the earth mm-hmm. i mean this is partly due to artwork like the remarkable mushroom stones of the ancient mayas and mural frescoes found in central Mex- Me- mexico excuse me nyberg noted some of which date back more than two thousand years the hallucinogenic fungus which is native to central america was previously known by the aztec word like a divine mushroom uh, translated to divine mushroom in the Sahara desert rock art from 7,000 to 9,000 years ago may feature even earlier portrayals of psychedelic mushrooms. These scenes include human dancers holding mushroom like objects in some cases with two parallel lines connecting the objects to the dancers heads. This is not definitive evidence, but some research see it as the earliest hints of people using mind-altering mushrooms. There's also a fringe theory that stoned ape hypothesis that suggests magic mushrooms sparked the boom in brain size and culture of early humans. So maybe mushrooms might have something to do with Santa Claus and human nature, maybe? Many experts dismiss this idea as a simplistic and speculative, noting its lack of evidence for tracing human consciousness. So neatly back to a single catalyst. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think maybe somewhere in our spiritual cycle, there was some kind of click from above from God or whatever everybody wants to call that life force that said, okay, it's time now to switch these guys on and let's get our souls on this planet. Um, But that's a debate for another day. Yet the idea has also drawn more interest lately and even some of its doubters see value in the way the highlighted psilocybin's ability to alter consciousness, consciousness and the brain itself. This is an amazing tool. And yeah, I mean, before any of this stuff ever was even proven, I kind of knew it because like, I obviously like would feel that way. And then now it's all like, honestly, it's like a hype right now, like a bunch of um, the talk about how mushrooms are really beneficial. I'm like, oh, this is, thank God this is coming out when I can see it's actually coming to the surface and people are, you know, being like a little awakened on this topic because it's so cool to see it happening i mean every time i go out of my newsfeed there's something new a new article about how shrooms are beneficial and i think that every movie that's ever been made about mushrooms is so it's just bullshit like have you ever seen the movie shrooms it's called shrooms okay. it's a horror movie and these people take shrooms and the girl ends up killing everyone i'm like oh my god this is not how you feel on shrooms this is so misleading so everyone is all scared and like think that oh if you're doing shrooms you're in a weird crazy state and like you do hallucinate a little bit but like you know when you're on shrooms that that glass is still a glass but it just might wave a little or it might, it's not going to turn into like a big donkey before your eyes like we're all smarter than that come on people like you know it's not it's, not, it's actually a very good time <laughs> very yeah everything's just there is there i mean it just is different 
That's right. That's exactly right. It just looks a little different than we have seen it before, but it all, it looks that way always normally. It, what, just something in our brain clicks something different and connects different receptors that we see it differently. Exactly. It's and I think always that's the same what, thing sitting I, there. I also think like if, um, you know, I don't know if you're like, I, okay. The only time, time I've seen something actually morph, it's a really funny story. It was that one LSD trip I told you guys about where it was an insane first trip on LSD. So I'm looking at the kid who's freaking out. I just go sit next to him and his eyebrows, I'm not even kidding, crawl off of his face <laughs> and then go onto his shirt and morph into a stripe. And I'm looking at him. He goes, what? What's wrong, Shelby? What's wrong? I'm like, Nothing. <laughs> everything's fine. He had no eyebrows this whole time. <laughs> it was so funny because I didn't want to be like, all right, Gussie, you have no <laughs> eyebrows right now. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to kill everyone. Like, Who stole yeah, my eyebrows? Yeah. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> so I was, I'm just not going to tell him, but it was a very funny thing to see. So that definitely, but like the eyebrows didn't necessarily change. Like they didn't turn into like a big weird thing. So it's not as scary as sometimes it is portrayed. It's actually really nice and calming, I think. My best masculine story from Morrisville days as I was sitting in an apartment complex, Campus Hill, and I was watching the Roger Rabbit movie. <laughs> and for those who have seen the Roger Rabbit movie know there's a scene where Roger gets all crazy and runs around the room and kind of runs in a circle towards the front of the screen. And I'm we must have repeated that part of the movie a thousand times. And I swear to God, I thought Roger Rabbit was in the room with me <laughs> for that awesome. whole time. It was amazing. <laughs> like two in the morning, like Roger Rabbit and me were best buddies. That's so cool. <laughs> Sitting in a chair next to me, that was my best. After the, after that, um, that same night was the night that I was on the track for two hours because I couldn't shut it off. <laughs> oh, when was this? That, uh, that was um, 1991 back in Morrisville. Um, and that was oh. the same trip where I had two hours on the track trying to wear it That's when I was born. 91. It, oh, really? <laughs> Holy that. smokes. I yeah. love that. <laughs> my daughter was born four years after you. Nice, nice. Good stuff. So, yeah, she's gonna. She will listen to this episode and be like, "I cannot believe what my father is talking about right now. Oh, this yeah. man is <laughs> out of his mind." No, this I is know. truth to me. I I can tell you right now, I would not have been as good as as a writer, photographer, videographer now in my later days if I didn't have psychedelics. I can honestly say that because. Very often when I put together projects or when I'm looking in a camera, the picture it's framing itself. Like people always like, Brian, you take such great pictures. Part of it is learning from Bob Pye because he was a great mentor for me. Bob is a phenomenal photographer. Like there, he can frame pictures like that. He's got a knack for it. Organized Bob Pye, by far my mentor. <laughs> I learned a ton. So I don't want to say that I had a natural eye myself. He definitely helped teach me framing, but it is also something that's coming very natural to me. And I don't always frame pictures to have the best picture to put up on a wall because I like to tell stories. So what I did was I took some of the knowledge I learned from Bob that way. And I also tell stories. So when I go someplace, I'll do a succession of video pictures, like 10 long just to show people the snippet of that time during that but i find my psychedelics a lot of things will come to me either this this music everybody says brian we love your music sometimes i'm listening to some random music when i'm skiing or in my car or something like that song and i put it on next thing you know i'll just start playing a clip of a video thinking what song to put and the song will come to my head Mm -hmm. Like a song that I listened to two weeks ago that I listened to maybe a, a verse and a half, downloaded it through my Shazam, because that's what I do. I Shazam it, put it on my iTunes, put it in my 
future movie list as, all right, maybe something I'm going to look at later. And then when I'm still looking at video, it clicks in my head, like that song's the one. And I, if I didn't have psychedelics or cannabis, I don't believe I would have that capacity in my mind to do that. It makes a lot of sense, actually. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of musicians, a lot of the best musicians and best scientists have used psychedelics all the time. Einstein? Like, uh, yeah. He um, regularly that, um There was another dude who... Tesla? I don't know his name. I just remember watching a documentary right after, and there are so many brilliant people out there that right after they do psychedelics, their works much better. And yeah, so I can definitely see that. And obviously, most of the greatest musicians would condone this stuff so no doubt and vouch for it so a couple more cool facts about about mushrooms mushrooms don't exist to get people high of course just don't just exist to get people high excuse me they have their own lives and part of that life is reproduction like other fungi mushrooms reproduce via spores which travel the breeze to find a new place to grow but mushrooms often live and this is and very interesting in sheltered areas on forested floors so when i was down at Watkins Glen, which is a great place to see mushrooms normally, Finger Lakes Trail. I was down there after the rains when the fish concert got canceled down there. So we were oh, walking yeah, through okay, there the two that. days after that got canceled. So what happened was there was not enough potable water down there and it was excessive water everywhere. So we walked the Glen two day, the second day of sunlight after that three day rain and all the mushrooms came out. So I took my pictures. I think I have 15 different varieties of mushrooms I got pictures of that day. Oh, wow. All on the Finger Lakes Trail. Do you think any of them are psychedelic? Like the random ones out no, there? They no, they were all the brightly colored. Oh, okay. But I'm stating this leading to this next sentence here. But mushrooms also often live in sheltered areas on floor, forested floors where the wind doesn't blow. To solve the problem of spreading their spores, some shrooms, including the hallucinogenic ones, create their own wind. To do this, the fungi increase the rate that water evaporates off of their surfaces, placing water vapor in the air immediately around them. This water vapor, along with the cool air created by evaporation, works to lift the spores together. Work, works to lift the spores, excuse me. Together, these two forces can lift the spores up to four inches or 10 centimeters above the shroom, according to a presentation of the 2013 meeting of the American Physical Society's Division of Fluid Dynamics. Fluid Dynamics. Wow. They create dynamics. I I, I mean, because that's the group of scientists you would think is worried about like something going fast through air and they're measuring mushrooms. Right. Like that's, that's like measuring a tortoise, right? Like 144 species of mushrooms contain the psychoactive ingredient. According to a 2005 review in the international journal, medicinal mushrooms, anything else on LSD that you looked up, Bob, she got the whole history of it. That the, <laughs> what do you want? Did you ever try mescaline, or no, have you only I'm had very, LSD and mushrooms? I've heard of mescaline. I'm not very educated on that at all. It's I don't okay. really know what it is. Because there's one other thing that I want to talk to you about that you and I have talked about previously, and that is a thing that apparently is natural in all of us. Apparently, animals um, seek this out of other animals um, uh, when when they when they are killing them such as jaguars but the substance is dmt yes dmt like i look it up on wikipedia and it's like a big 
no look can't see type what warning just now <laughs> uh, so what is dmt oh, it's the most powerful hallucinogen in the world yes and what what is it it is um it's found in the tree bark the history on that i can tell you that all right now so found apparently a shaman back in the day day days <laughs> when oh. they mixed politics and religion basically if you had the power to talk to the gods above you led the tribe so this one shaman got a message from the gods and the gods said to go look in the tree bark and so he did and they said share it with your people and it was basically dmt is um also known as ayahuasca and yeah so there's a history on that um ayahuasca is another term for for dmt dmt is in ayahuasca so ayahuasca okay. is like the tree bark that you get it from and there's a guy in Peru who um, has like this little ayahuasca place. Basically, if you do DMT, the the um, the high is only the trip's only six minutes. Feels a lot longer. Now, if you do ayahuasca, it's in a tea form and um, it lasts way longer. And you definitely puke. It's definitely for more people with really deep rooted issues that they want to solve. So that's where ayahuasca comes in. Like if you're dying of something or if you've had a traumatic experience, and you probably DMT would also work, but ayahuasca is definitely like a weak process. DMT is a tryptamine molecule, which occurs in many plants and animals. Is, is tryptamine what's in Turkey? It's tryptophan. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying. I, I tried to go find myself a turkey I tonight. I know. I just tried. It's a tryptamine molecule which occurs in many plants and animals. And and that it is naturally in plants and animals. I, I yes, have to stress always, that because there are always, stories about people who trip on DMT that see like jaguars sitting in trees across the world and the jaguar can see them and they're like not at them and crap like that. Basically, so, we just have a missing molecule in our brain and no one knows why it's missing. It's literally almost identical to serotonin. Um, it can be consumed as a psychedelic drug and has historically been prepared by various cultures for ritual purposes as an uh, entogen. Rick Strassman labeled as a spirit molecule. The most In most countries, DMT is illegal. The spirit molecule, that goes to what you just said. It's like we have a missing molecule, so this yes. kind of replaces it for a minute. Yeah, it does. Uh, it only gets uh, triggered in us humans when we um, are born, when we dream, when we die. And that's, you know, in animals and plants, it's consistently pretty much running throughout them. That's why they say to trust a dog or animal's judgment on a human because they're probably right because they see things that we don't usually because they constantly have that uh, molecule running throughout their system. Like they don't have to dream or die. They're pretty much always uh, on DMT for the most part. And they say a lot of predators, when they kill prey, there's two things that the predator, the the alpha predator looks for and that is where the dmt is located in the animal and like the spleen because it's the most healthy part of that mm -hmm. animal and the most nutri nutrition for the so the alpha doesn't go and actually eat the most meat the alpha goes and eats the most nutritious stuff and the dmt source of the dmt in animals that's crazy imagine if we had that molecule in us like imagine if it wasn't missing us i wonder what it would be like <laughs> It'd probably be a different, it would be a different world. Oh, yeah. It would be, it would be absolutely. There would be no materialism. It no. Be no, yeah, stuffy, no. No stuffy shirts in Congress. And, <laughs> well, it would be um, collaboration about everything, right? It would be worldwide collaboration. There would be the spirituality, I mean, hugging it and just the, the music would there be There you intense. go, hugging again. Uh, well, hugger. I'm a hugger. Dude, Come on. You, I mean, it's you know, flu hugger. season. Just stay away. I hug everybody. <laughs> 
DMT has a rapid onset, intense effects, and a relatively short duration of action. For those reasons, DMT was known as the businessman's trip during the 1960s in the United States. I never, ever knew that DMT was a big thing in the 1960s. Oh, it was. Like, um, they, yeah, that's one reason why it's illegal is around that time when acid and all that, and, you know, like Woodstock. You know, I always knew LSD and everything else was, but yeah, I didn't realize no, DMT, DMT was, was all in there too. I was, I'm an ignorant. I think in the 40s, they did, um, of, or in the 60s, well, they did a, a test of 40 people and they dosed them all with the same amount of DMT and they all had the same experience. All recorded seeing godly like um, creatures, almost alien, extraterrestrial like. And yeah, these are 40 people who didn't know much about DMT and didn't know how much they were being dosed and were given the same dose as every other person. And they all came back with the same um, outcome. So there's definitely something beyond this. That's what that shows. And it's, oh, like we wonder just now, why is that illegal out of everything? A user could access the full depth of a psychedelic experience in considerably less time than with other substances such as LSD or magic mushrooms. DMT can be inhaled, injected, vaporized, or ingested, and its effects depends on the dose. When inhaled or injected, the effects last a short period of time about 5 to 15 minutes. Effects can last 3 hours or more when orally ingested along with an MIOI, such as the... <sighs> these words. Ayahuasca. I, oh, that's how you spell ayahuasca. So it's an H, right? Or an A? a yeah. yeah. All right, you're, you're the wonderful. See, I, Shelby is my new sidekick. Bob <laughs> should have been the one saying that. This is, a, this is why I have Bob here. Such as ayahuasca brew of the, many, uh, of the many native Amazonian tribes. DMT can produce vivid projections of mystical experiences involving euphoria and dynamic hallucinations of geometric forms. So without admitting whether you've done DMT or not, explain to me how DMT works. Um... Basically, you do it and then blast off. You're no longer here. Um, oh, so describe like what it looks like. Like okay, so for someone that's never done DMT, what would they know to look like? What's good? What's bad? That kind of thing. Like, is, um, is there anything you know about? True, it's it's like powdery. If you're gonna take a head out out of it out of a bowl, um, you're smoking it. Yes, if you're gonna smoke that's it, ways, it looks yeah. like a more of like a, a powdery substance. I didn't really get the best glimpse at it, but. Uh-huh. Um, then immediately you just lay your head back on a pillow and you're just, you, you kind of feel yourself going like, it's almost like you're just taking off out of your body and feel a lot of self love. You definitely lots, everything that's bothered you, your whole life will come into play. You, you feel like you are spending years, like it's, it's almost like you're watching your life kind of like go by in each stage. And then, it feels so long. You can't even believe it's only what six or seven minutes, and it's just crazy. So you, it's different for everyone. It really is. So, Robert just pulled up a picture of good clean DMT, and it looks like yes, basically yep. a whitish yellowish powder um, that looks like a, a powder like like a flower type mm-hmm. like consistency. So if someone sees that, it looks like that's probably good DMT. Because I imagine what we're looking at would not be bad DMT. So. Um, other drugs, mushrooms, as far as how you tell if it's good or bad or not, you really can't. They're all pretty much the same. They're if grayish they're in color. Uh, black, or, well, they're bad if they're black. If they're, yeah, saying? if they're yeah, black, yeah. they're contaminated and do not eat them. Yeah, so they need to have the stems need to be white and it's usually pretty much a white, tannish bluish, color top. Some of them all, like, you know, there's different strands of strains of mushrooms and I don't think that matters too much. You know, there's really strong mushrooms out there, but they all have, they're, they always should be like, be like at least white with 
whatever other color companies tan or dark color tops usually Mm -hmm. but it's usually white stems for people Uh, and generally speaking it is easier to ingest them ground or or broken up because Mm -hmm. you can get upset stomach by using eating full pieces of it Um, some people like to chew on it and slowly ingest some people do that and they like the texture and taste of it all the power to you because that's a nice slow way to ingest it into you anyways that is not me at all. <laughs> I want I want that thing in me and down and functioning mm-hmm. as fast as possible. Yep, I yep. When I eat them, I just I'm like like they don't taste as bad as I thought. I would always get the communion bread when I was younger and forced to go to church and all that. So that's what it reminds me a lot of is the texture and like the flavor it's of true. The, the communion bread a little. It's true. Telling you if you put it in if you put it in ice cream, it has a texture and taste of the cone. It tastes like you're having a dish of ice cream with a broken up cone in it. We used granola and peanut butter. That works too. Generally speaking, yeah, that was another method. Is it how do you usually ingest, Mister? Numerous times over here, not numerous. No, no, no. This is the past. I haven't in quite a long time. I'm disconnected from that. So you're disconnected from cannabis and from no, not necessarily cannabis, but shrooms. I haven't seen shrooms in a long time. Okay, no nickname for shrooms. No, just just nickname. Our nickname for cannabis is Ted, by the way. That Ted? Was our, when Why? we were growing up, because we could never talk about my mother oh, yep. opening up, so we used the name Ted for wasted. <laughs> Ted being the tail end of it. And my mom thought our whole lives Ted was a friend of ours, so she never met. That. <laughs> That's awesome. So she didn't realize Ted was with us all the time, but yeah. never realized That's it. That's so funny. Um, so uh, just a quick thing. I mentioned something about encounters with DMT. How about this? In Wikipedia, one of the headlines is reported encounters with external entities while on DMT. Mm-hmm. You guys want to hear this? This is kind of interesting. Any of the entities perceived during DMT inebriation have been represented <laughs> in diverse forms of psychedelic art. The term machine elf was coined by ethnobotanist Terrence McKenna. I said it right. For the entities he encountered in Did DMT he? hyperspace, also using terms like fractal elves or self-transforming machine elves. McKenna first encountered the machine elves after smoking DMT in Berkeley in 1965. His subsequent speculations regarding the hyperdimensional space in which they were encountered has inspired a great many artists and musicians, and the meaning of DMT entities has been a subject of considerable debate among participants in a network cultural underground enthused by McKenna's efforts of DMT hyperspace. Strassman argues the more positive of the external entities encountered DMT experiences should be understood as analogous to certain forms of angels. Mm-hmm. Here's a quote. The medieval, the medieval Jewish philosophers whom I rely upon for understanding the Hebrew Bible text and its concept of prophecy portrays angels as God's intermediaries. That is, they perform a certain function for God. Within the context of my DMT research, I believe that the beings that volunteer that volunteers see could see be conceived of as angelic. That is, previously invisible incorporeal spiritual forces that are and garbed or enclothed in a particular form determined by the psychological or spiritual development of the volunteers, bringing a particular message or experience to that volunteer. This is a guy who regularly wow. tripped on DMT. Take a moment to chew on that. Yeah. Might re- re- like reread that last part. I will. I believe that the beings that volunteers see could be conceived 
of as angelic, that is, previously invisible, incorporeal spiritual forces that are engarbed or enclosed in a particular form. So they take on a particular That's form genius. for that volunteer, determined by the psychological or spiritual development of that volunteer. So, and one of the conversations you and had, we'll, we'll pick that up right now, bringing a particular message or experience to that volunteer. I have certain thoughts and feelings on the amount of souls on this planet. Our planet life force, God, is spread thinner than our planet has ever been. So I love that this guy in the 60s, before our population got this big, Mm -hmm. references the fact that how this being appears to them is based on the experience of that volunteer. He uses that word, but it's basically of the person on the DMT. It kind of goes to our conversation a little bit. Yeah, it does. So, so soul, what do you think about the soul and spirit, Joe? Oh, um, lots of things. I, I feel lots of things about that. I don't, you don't want to get me into this right now because I won't stop. And yeah, I love it. So, so Bob, you're spiritual in general. Am you, I? Yes. When are did you, that happen? Are you spiritual in general? Are you uh, spiritual? Do you believe in afterlife? Oh God! Wow, really? <laughs> right. <laughs> I just want to know how it like, pertains. Oh, I'm trying to tie in this with psychedelics. If I, I go into the going. ground, I will become worm food. That's what I believe. Sure. Do I believe? Do I believe that <laughs> that we go further beyond that? I don't know. We can do that here. When we're on these kind of drugs, we kind of step out of ourselves and find different planes of existence. At least I think I do, or I have. Just found there's eleven dimensions in our brain. <coughs> like, yeah, eleven dimensions in the brain. Eleven. So that maybe when we die, we just go to one of those. Sink into one of our own dimensions. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I kind of agree with him, but um, I I think there's just I, I all I truly do think it's just your mindset. I think that if you know, that's why. If you believe in Buddhism, you're probably gonna go to Nirvana if, if that's what you believe. You know what I mean? But it's probably you've probably created that realm in your mind, so it's now it's existing. You probably just are gonna go there if you are. You know, it's whatever you believe, and I just think you kind of just make room for that in your mind. And and I, I you know, I it, everything's just basically energy. Who knows? And maybe maybe it's a touch of everything. Maybe it's a little bit of everything just being put together. I think that if I didn't experience psychedelics, I would honestly say after I passed, I didn't experience life to the fullest, though. What, what do you mean? If I didn't have the psychedelic experience before I passed. So my yeah. grandmother's never had a psychedelic experience. I think there's something she's missed being here. I do, too. And I kind of agree with Bob, though, that maybe we, we will experience, like, or... Like, like experience it when we die. I'm trying to think what I'm trying to say here, but mm-hmm. it's okay. I, I also think that people who like to dabble with psychedelics are very curious people. And that we know deep down that they're, cause what's the one unsolved mystery of life is what's, what's in the end. What's the truth? You know? So people that do these psychedelics, they literally are just like trying to like seek it out and find it. And I think that when you tell yourself, no, you can't do that. You're kind of like, you're kind of missing out because everyone knows deep down there has to be a little something more out there. And when you deprive yourself of these experiences, either you can live with them or you can't. And I guess the more curious people kind of are more apt to be like, Hey, screw it. Let's do this. And let's see what else is out there. So they're kind of, you're kind of proving something to yourself at the end of the day when 
that's why I like psychedelics is like, it's like, yeah, I've always felt there's something more out there. And now guess what? I know. And like in my heart of hearts, like I truly do think that there's something more, but I do think it has a lot to do with our mind. And that's where I get confused because I'm like, you know, is there something actually more out there that's not in our little 11 dimensional mind or is it just in here somewhere that we've created? So that's why I, after doing these psychedelics, I've learned to live life very chill, like not overthink things. I overthink a lot and I'm just trying to be like a lot more calming and accepting of others and just like living with a less narrow mind because if that little negative space is up there in your brain somewhere, that's maybe where you might get stuck someday. So like really learn to like, you know, put yourself in other people's positions and, you know. So you find yourself judging less, right? Absolutely. Accepting people who, for yeah. who they are. So your your jobs bring you around a community that judgment is thrown out the window, right? The, yeah. The, the, the I would let, that would be my that would be one of my dimensions. Yeah. Right, like one of your dimensions is so so one of the bars you're at is is, is heavily a community where it's a very diverse community that comes mm-hmm. into the bars where you work. Yeah. And it the melting pot of the um, souls to mm-hmm. say the least, is awesome, right? Like how it you, how you awesome. experience those souls is phenomenal. Right? It really like, is. Everyone's just kind of themselves. You dance how you want. You you know do what you want. You talk to who you want and you love how you want. And it's just amazing. Like it's, and that's where probably my little slice of heaven would be. It's just like somewhere where a bunch of those people are that, you know, I kind of created that in my own trip. So I don't know. It's weird to think about. This asking about afterlife and stuff got me all... I love it. So, <laughs> so let's get back a little basic, a uh, little foundation. Yeah. Stuff again. So, how about telling other people who aren't from Rochester a little bit about Rochester? Because to me, being in the service industry, and I have the whole time my life here in Rochester service industry, so we know the streets, we know Rochester well. Rochester's tell, great. Thank you. That's all. I, I, I you know a lot of people some t- some people talk shit sometimes, and I'm like no, it's really not that bad, like at all. It's actually really beautiful. Lots of history. Um, love that we're on the. We have Lake Ontario right here. I absolutely love that. I need to live in a place that has beaches and water, um, very artistic community. There was this guy in the bar last night who was saying that he's from Alabama and it broke my heart. Cause he was saying how he's like, so shocked at how like accepting we are of black people. Apparently he would walk down like in Alabama, like they'll pass gas stations and restaurants say, Oh, we can't go in there. I'm like, I can't believe the shit's still around. Like, I cannot believe that. Like, and so he came in here and he goes, I feel weird. I'm the only black. I'm like, dude, no one like, this is rational. Like no one cares. Like you're one of, you're in a very liberal, like very safe spot to like be, you know, black. You know what I mean? Like you're fine. Like we don't even think that way here. We don't look at color here. in Rochester No, like, no, it's really not like that. Anybody, I, I just couldn't believe that he race. came from a place like that. I'm like, wow, like that must've sucked. And it's still happening now in 2018. Yeah, that's ridiculous. That point. Yeah. If we can't accept people for who they are, basically we are a soul inside of a body. That soul somewhat created what body they went into, somewhat didn't, maybe that's a debate, but it's just another person on this planet we mm-hmm. should be treating with respect and dignity and hugging and loving and, and giving empathy exactly. to and supporting in any way we can. And another thing about Rochester is lots of great food. I love Rochester food, especially there's been a bunch of new places opening downtown and um, I mean, I just have to put it out there. I do love Acme's Pizza and then the bar I work at 140. It's a really <laughs> good gay bar thing, but where else is... Um, Han Noodle. That is my favorite. Have you ever been there? No, I haven't. I'm not have a big noodle, noodle guy. 
Bob. I'm not a big Chinese, no Asian food. Oh, it's guy uh, downtown Monroe. It's so good, best Chinese so I've ever. She's had. mentioning a lot of areas around Monroe Avenue, which yes. is a street in Rochester that tends to be very diverse. Twenty-something uh, kind of neighborhood, very eclectic. Um, a lot of artsy music, right in that area. Lots of music in this area. Yeah. Um, a lot, yeah. We're lots. very fortunate, Rochester, to have um, Eastman School of Music here. So we tend yep. to have a ton of musicians here. And I oh, always yeah. like to put that out whenever I can. I never mention enough how good the music scene is here. It really is really good. Um, definitely really good. Bug Jars, where all the local shows are, for the most part. Where else is there? The Montage Music Hall, I think it's called. Yeah, Montage. You've been great. I know you have to get back to your dog, so I'm ending this for you, but I do want you to give last advice for people doing psychedelics for the first time or, and, or some places that you went to research that other people go to get the knowledge that you got. Okay. Um, advice if you're going, if you're thinking about doing shrooms for the first time or any other psychedelic, just relax. Don't overthink it at all or else you might put yourself in a position you don't want to be in. Um, understand that it's not gonna last forever if you don't like it it'll end in a few hours um always do whatever you want to do if you want to go outside and someone wants to stay inside you go outside and you leave them there and like you'll be okay everything's always gonna be fine you're gonna have the most fun ever um you're gonna experience a lot about yourself and other people that you're with and some things might come to the surface that you weren't prepared to talk about a couple hours ago but hey the next day you're not gonna regret a single thing you did let it out let it out and let it go whether it's crying laughing exercise because you feel like you need to get something out of you or if it's to tell somebody something that you mean to tell them exactly and just because you weren't prepared throughout your nice little nine to five work day or whatever you do during the day doesn't mean that it won't creep up during your trip and it might scare you for a second but just challenge it and battle it heads on then the next day you're going to feel so accomplished Wise words from a young lady. A young lady who... <laughs> now, were, were you born and raised in Rochester real quick? Yeah, Greece. Greece. So she's Greece. Uh, well, I went to school? Hilton, but I was uh, like in the Braddock Bay area. Okay, so right along Lake Ontario, this is a average blue-collar family, right? I'd say Generally, so. Blue-collar, yeah. white-collar mix. That's how Rochester mm-hmm. is, right? So it's just an average girl, works in the service industry in Rochester, successful in the service industry, has a very good following, and is educated and has seen the constellations connect while she was on LSD. And the DNA. Don't forget it. Oh, don't forget that DNA. And I, I've had similar experiences that I couldn't get into here right now, um, but we will in future episodes. Shelby, this was very refreshing. I Thank love you guys to hear so someone much for having so me. smart. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Appreciate it, Shelby. Bye, everyone. Bye. Shelby's the bomb. How about shrooms and Santa? Do we really think that's the case? No, I think you made that up. Well, someone made it up. I, I, I read think you, I someone think else you made typed it, it into Wikipedia and you made it up. I manipulated it. I said, See? Wikipedia, there we go. give me a story there that Bob I will not ever believe. And, and that's most of the things up. that come out of your mouth is that way. You know, why do we have to oh do this every God, time? Why? So, so, Bob, how did you like our last guest? She's very informative. And I, young. I told a couple people... I had a bartender from Rochester in her 20s coming on to talk about psychedelics. And they said, really, Brian? What are we going to learn from that? What did we learn? Holy smokes. We validated a lot. And we learned a lot. We did. And she was telling some good stories. What story did you say that you had? 
when you were on shrooms? What was your favorite story? My favorite story was of yours. My favorite story of shrooms is is one that I'm not going to say when it happened, but there is a time when I did mushrooms and had an out of body experience. Oh, which. Yes, I actually, a remote viewing, out-of-body experience. I have done a little meditation in my life, very little, little, very little, insight timer, maybe 10 minutes a night. But I do have a routine that I can get myself meditative pretty quickly. It just doesn't last very long because I can't shut my brain down. So, But my favorite time on shrooms, uh, more recently than I probably should care to announce. Um, but yeah, I had an out-of-body experience where I felt myself after I went to bed, took a shower, went to bed. It was at the tail end of my experience with the mushrooms they had been wearing off. And I felt my body, my soul leave my body and go to another place on this planet and watch a bar scene where nobody in that bar knew I was there, but I definitely was there, could tell you all the elements of it. And then at one point, I returned back to my body, seeing a lot of things on the earth as I came back. I remember distinctively seeing uh, where the sun was on the horizon line, and I remember seeing um, some mountains as I was floating and moving, and then back in my body, woke up with a start, woke myself up, drank about 20 ounces of water, and then fell asleep for five hours wow. and woke up as fresh as a daisy as I ever could have been. And the next day I went, I was traveling at the time, and I basically went out and exercised four hours the next day. And uh, just the only thing I had to do was make sure I was hydrated. But that's a, a true, probably one of my favorite shrooming experiences, no doubt. Very nice. Not as much fun as being out in the woods generally, though. Like, I've always enjoyed experience them in the woods and you've had a lot of experience with them in the woods haven't you i think my most vivid story is when you and i went to the adirondacks and we hiked bald mountain we were both exhausted beyond exhausted i don't even know why it's like one of those last minute things hey you want to go to the adirondacks oh sure let's go and we were in the car and gone and i got to bald mountain just outside of inlet and i'm like brian i just i just need to relax a little i need to relax a little and when we got there, we started chewing on mushrooms and I fell asleep. And the dream that I had was the most bizarre dream that I've ever had in my life that I can think of. I've had some pretty terrifying dreams, but this one was bizarre where I'm in a cartoon world and there were the dancing bears from the Grateful Dead all over the place. But I was real. I was not cartoon. So I'm walking through this world, and these bears were just bouncing around and dancing around, and I have no idea how long I slept. But then I woke up, and uh, we hiked the mountain, and we did mushrooms at the top of the mountain. And I can remember back then I was saying, we got to drink or we got to eat lots of oranges because the vitamin C really helps with the with the experience. So we got to eat lots of oranges, and that's what we were doing. We were sitting at the side of the mountain, just chowing down on these oranges, and and I did like oranges when we were hiking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is for certain. So that's you're right. That was a good day, yeah. and we had some really good hikes um, with with mushrooms back in the early 90s when when you and i experienced them together um and never do we felt unsafe and we had some really cool experiences like wasn't it wasn't it um mount vanderwacker was that one of the places that we had an experience oh maybe 
Mount Vandewacker, which was up Route 28 near Newcomb, New York, we had a... We had an experience where we saw a cabin about halfway up. Great hiking trail, short trail. Mount Bandewacker, it is near where we were talking about earlier, where the Hudson River originates. Mount um, Goodnow. Yep, just past Mount Goodnow, Mount Bandewacker. Um, there is a fire at the top, but I believe now it's either off of there or it's in disrepair, so I wouldn't suggest climbing it. But there used to be a cabin there, and there was a sign on this that I still have the picture in my living room now. It said, Happy Day. It was this little rusted brown sign, and I remember being on shrooms that day and coming around the corner and just seeing this sign. It was tacked up to the banister of the of the um, porch of the small cabin that was about halfway up. So it was probably the caretaker's cabin for the fire tower. And it just said, Happy Day. Very simple. I will make sure it's posted on our website in the future. I still, it, it, it's one of my favorite pictures ever Hmm. but i remember distinctly just saying yeah every time in these woods is a happy day we spent we spent a lot of time in the adirondacks without a doubt so bob you brought a story that we want to end this podcast with uh oh actually before that i just want to mention something about mescaline that's one of the psychedelics that we kind of talked about but we didn't relate so mescaline is a naturally occurring psychedelic alkaloid known for its hallucinogenic effects comparable to those of LSD and the mushrooms we have been talking about. Um, Peyote has been used for at least 5,700 years by Native Americans in Mexico. So peyote is a form of mescaline, um, just so everybody knows it's in that same family. I didn't realize that, so that's why I wanted to read it for everybody else. Um, But it has been used for thousands, 5,700 years by Native Americans. Okay, 5,700 years. The only thing that probably did that hurt them is it made it so they didn't worry about the white man enough to protect their own freaking land. (laughs) They were trustworthy. You know, uh, they had a quality about them that we did not. You know, when we came into this country, that's all we thought about is ourselves. And they didn't. Not at at first. Well, they probably had reservations, but they were still more helpful than you thought they would be. I am thinking that I don't understand the root of why this is kept from us other than we really wouldn't want everybody doing it at once. Like you wouldn't want a trip out day. Would we want would we want a city of Rochester day of everybody on psychedelics? No, I don't think I can handle my mom on psychedelics. <laughs> so I'm not necessarily saying the UN um, preventing all of us from having is a bad thing as long as it's not like, you know, I don't see a lot of people getting jailed federally um, for psychedelics. Uh, now for meth, for, for meth and that kind of stuff and heroin, all that, yes, because those are the kind of drugs that are tearing people up. Opioids, put those pharmaceutical company reps in the joint now. But... You don't really see a lot of people that are selling. I mean, if people, someone has an acid freaking set up at their house and a cop stumbles upon it, they're going to get busted and put in jail. But I don't think there's not a ton of people in jail for selling mushrooms, psychedelic or growing. I've never heard that as being a common thing. So I don't think that UN preventing it, making it illegal across this whole world forever, is it really a hard line? No. I mean, every concert that fish and dead has ever been at 90% of the people there are on psychedelics I don't see a ton of people getting arrested well 
it's the next step I'd have to say with the whole legalization of marijuana. Do once it becomes acceptable, once it's part of the norm, will they then lower their expectations or their their not their expectations, their criticisms of what they think is a bad drug and look at mushrooms and say, well, maybe we can start thinking about legalizing this or, or at least applying them more, more medicinally, because I, I don't think we should legalize mushrooms to be very frank, just because, because they're so potent. No, because people take the wrong way. And I wouldn't want to see an excessive amount of people in one day, all doing shrooms because I just don't think general society could function <laughs> like how the, you know, is all the service workers not going to do shrooms and everybody else does. I feel bad for the service workers. They're going to a bunch of goofy people trying to pay who drop money out of their pockets and stuff. We aren't used to doing shrooms or doing amounts. that's not, they're not, they don't know how much they're doing. What I, what I've learned over the couple of past, uh, maybe 10 years as it is that mankind has changed the face of pot in its chemical basis. If they can do that with corn, if they can do that with pot, they could also do that with mushrooms. They could make it so it's not so intense. So Mm -hmm. if it's profitable and the government needs your taxes, they might just say, okay. (laughs) I love your train of thought. I'm with it. You know, I mean. And that goes to the article that we want to close with today that Bob brought up. We're going to kind of talk about New York State cannabis a little bit, not too in-depth. Without getting into who said what and where and how, Mm -hmm. in January of 2018, uh, Mr. Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo of New York. So January of 2018, so we're talking about the beginning of this year. That is correct. So we're talking about about 11 months ago. So everybody knows he said different things from here since then about this, but we just want to talk about this in general to bring it up because there's going to be a lot of changes here in the next 18 months, including... We hope. We hope. um, We have a strong opinion that it's going to change here. Um, Again, with no inhalants being approved, uh, but go ahead, Bob. He sparked the debate to legalize the recreational uh, marijuana use. And like I said, without getting too involved, who said yes, who said no, they wanted to do a study of marijuana and its effects and and all that. And, And this is from Cuomo. This is from Cuomo. And he's still waiting and still waiting to hear because... Some people say no, flat out no. They do not, they will not give the approval for this. Some people say, yeah, it's about time. And And you're referencing different politicians, right? Yes, I am. Um, And some politicians are saying, I need to see that paper of the information that you're trying to provide before they make a judgment. So the best thing, and I've said this before, and I'd like to reiterate, the best thing, I think the state is going about this the correct way. They're making sure they have enough people to produce the products in the state through the licensing procedures that are now in place and currently some changes to that, number one. And number two, they are bringing medical people to the panel of six or seven people that are writing the policy to really look at all the aspects of it before they legalize it in the state so they don't make the mistakes that other states made. I'm supportive of that. I'm supportive of Cuomo and I'm supportive of this initiative and I'm supportive because Cuomo is starting now to go on the national platform and talk about he wants New York hemp to be considered the best hemp in the country, which means he wants to see New York CBD 
CBD being produced out of the state being the best CBD. He wants to see the THC being produced out of the state being the best THC. So not only does he want to see the state legalize this and be partners with people, they want to make sure that good quality product is being developed as well. So I'm very excited about where this state is going because we have a governor that understands the tax revenue that come out of it and understand that if the best quality products are coming out of the state, then there's a chance you can move that out of state to states maybe that don't have hard regulations. And another possibility, if the whole concept does not get approved, uh, I heard this being bounced around on the news, so no no explicit quotes, is that maybe we'll put it to a vote, give the community the voice as to whether they want it. And I, I would like to say we'd get a positive reaction on that vote. There's still those who are so stuck in the mud that just, they, they don't know what. I think it would be overwhelming. Yeah. I, I don't think, it, I, I think your uh, hesitancy, hesitant, hesitancy is unwavered. I think, or not unwavered, but um, I don't, I think it will be overwhelming because there's so many people now. For the positive. Yeah, especially with CBD, especially if CBD is attached to that you know, in the language, um, because there's so many other people, like we had Eric Miller on a couple of weeks when he was talking about all the older people coming into a smoke shop now looking for CBD products. Um, it's, that's great. That's, that's absolutely great. Though I see the New York state might change where we can sell CBD products. I hope not. Um, because CBD products are so helpful. Everybody's finding them now. I hope they don't restrict where you can get those products. Uh, but that's something I guess we'll see in the next year, how the, how that will change if it does change. Cause right now you can get CBD in a lot of different locations, which, which is good. You've, you've touched on this several times, several times, stating that marijuana is not a gateway drug. Do you cannabis, feel... Cannabis. Okay, cannabis. Sorry. Sorry. Cannabis is not a gateway drug. Do you feel that that stigma of it is still there? Yes, in general, but not as bad as it used to be. I'm getting a lot less incredulous looks than ever. Because you're exposing it with your t-shirts and your- yeah, so so I'm finding by pushing the envelope a little bit with my sweatshirts that I'm wearing and giving away and that are finding themselves around Rochester and, and the country slowly, um, the looks are getting less incredulous and there are actually more people going up to my friends wearing these apparel and asking them about it. So the wave is definitely they want to inquire about it. Um, and the leaf and it's the combination of the leaf but then when they look close it's the figurines exercising so they're seeing both elements when they get up close to it it's the leaf that draws them in immediately but then right. it's the other part that they're like what is this what's it really about it's not they're not just going up and talking about weed with the person they want to talk about the whole concept which it's so refreshing. Like Shelby Kane says, everybody's complimenting on her. Like I got people begging me for the sweatshirts right now. It's it's really an incredible. Like if for whatever reason this podcast doesn't go forward or we don't we don't advertise or some reason for some reason we have to stop, the apparel will stay out forever because I am seeing that everybody loves that logo on the apparel. That will I can guarantee people hepathotics.com will always have the apparel because um yeah. I mean I wore my sweatshirt outside my ski jacket at Gore. One of, the, one of the lifties like, don't come back up here without giving me one. Like, <laughs> she's one of my des- best dance buddies up there, so I got to give her a sweatshirt. So, um, yeah, she's one of my cool buddies up there. But, yeah, I make friends with lifties at all the mountains. Yes, folks. Oh, I'm sure Sorry. you do. 
All right, so this episode is wrapped up. Jay is tired. I am tired. Bob is excellent. Did some good research today. So the fact, fiction, or jury is still out for today was, is mushrooms have medicinal value? And I'm going to say, I thought at the beginning of the podcast, I might be saying the jury is still out, but I'm going to say absolutely not. Mushrooms do have medicinal value. We wouldn't have been using them for over 5,700 years on this planet if there wasn't medicinal value. I'm sorry. That is just alone. Our culture has proved there's medicinal value. Um, Whatever the UN says. How, now, the UN, how long has the UN been in existence, Bob? Five years. Maybe 200 years. Okay, six years. Seriously, compared to 5,700 years, you're right. Like, seriously, it's six years compared to 5,700. Let's cut, let's cut 300 off of that 5,700. Just say 5,400 to two years for UN. Like, okay. dude, that's ridiculous. The UN is going to say 5,700 years worth of usage by people on this planet. They're smarter. They don't seem to look at the past and all of what came before. To women out there, I'm not telling you go do psychedelics. All I'm telling you is be open-minded to people who do and don't look at them critically. And I can't wait for next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Jay. Bye-bye.